we either operate out of a place of fear or love in our lives. Our emotions, our responses, our reactions come from a place of fear and love. And so often we're either too permissive with our children because we don't want to lose their love or we're too authoritarian because we want them to obey us and then they get afraid of losing our love. And so we then react instead of respond and we punish instead of discipline. That was Mandy Hart, our guest on the program yesterday, sharing about love-based rather than fear-based parenting. This is Focus on the Family with Graham Schnell. And on today's program, we're continuing our discussion with Mandy about parenting world changes. And that's the title of the book that Mandy's written. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Alison Schnell. I love the subtitle to Parenting World Changes, which is Raising Secure Kids in a Complex World. This is a complex world. I don't think we need to convince anybody of that. And our kids face a lot of challenges in this complex world. But Jesus said, take heart, I have overcome the world. He came to give us life in abundance. That's available to us and our kids. But there are things we can learn and principles that we can apply that will help us in that. And I think the program today fits into that category. Mm. Well, let's go now to the second part of your conversation with Mandy Hart. We had a great conversation last time with Mandy Hart talking about some fairly serious issues that as parents we need to be paying attention to. And these are not easy topics, uh, not that anything related to parenting is easy. But just when you start getting a handle on discipline and boundaries and manners, for example, we're faced with a question of how we handle access to social media or we're asked a question about gender. And these are the tough topics that Mandy has tackled in her book, Parenting World Changes. Mandy, it's really good to have you back with us on Focus on the Family. Thank you, Graham. It's fabulous to be with you again. I think more and more as you and I talk about these topics, I realize we really need God's wisdom and sure. His grace as we raise our children with confidence and we raise our children to be fearless. That's the bottom line, hey? Leaning in onto Him because He has given us His Holy Spirit and mm. we can be empowered by Him to handle every aspect of parenting. I do want to start with this aspect of the digital world that we live in. Uh, and I know that you speak about the different generations, which can be quite fun. And I think that plays into this because us, and it pains me to say this, but those of us from an older generation. <laughs> You're um, from the millennials, Graham. Well, I do. I actually I, 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 sneak, I sneak into the millennials, um, although I think sometimes I probably identify more with Gen X than the, the millennials. But uh, anyway, those of us that are older than 40, let's just say, um, we didn't grow up with so much technology and now it seems as though technology flows through the veins of our kids uh, we had so much fun with the audience when we were yeah. going through the different generations and i think it's helpful to understand it because i remember life without the internet i remember cassette recorders yeah. I, I remember the cd walkmans you know um pac-man was as far mm. as it went and i remember actually in grade one or we used to call it sub a learning about this turtle moving this turtle along a computer screen yeah. <laughs> dos, dos. Yeah. that's what it was yeah. you know that dates <laughs> us <laughs> but what's interesting is that when we realize that that this is our generation the gen x generation are the digital pioneers yeah. We are the ones who actually, 
I guess, are to blame, I suppose, for what we're facing now. It's your fault. I'm thinking it's my fault. I'm thinking out loud here. But Generation X generally was a generation where most of the mothers entered the workforce en masse. And so many of the adults are asking one another, when did your parents get divorced? Mm. Because there were a lot of divorces that came through Generation X especially. And then we have the millennials, which is your generation and younger. (laughs) And... um, you know, the millennials are what they call the first true digital natives. They're very confident, free thinking. And millennials are shaping a lot of society because they're the ones that were born from the 80s to the early 2000s. And kind of the, the line between the millennials and Generation Z are blurred because yeah. the, the Gen Z, or they call them Gen Zs, are born late 90s up until about 2015. Okay. And there's a lot being said around Gen Z at the moment, how they call the selfie generation. <laughs> Cause the, and just <laughs> the way they live, you know, taking selfies of themselves everywhere they go. And their lives are formed by Snapchat and Instagram and now TikTok and other digital apps. Yeah. And they got their first mobile phone at the age of around 10. Sure. And so they're spending hours on the phone. But then after them come Generation Alpha. And I run parenting courses, and most of the moms in my parenting course have children born between 2010 and now, or they reckon up until 2024 is Generation Alpha. But what's interesting is they're going to be called the glass generation because the glass screen will be their main medium of communication. And they're going to interact with emotionally intelligent toys. Artificial intelligence will be part of their world. And what's interesting about this generation is they say that the Generation Alpha when they mature and come of age, the couple, and again, they don't specify because now couples really open to interpretation, will eclipse a nuclear family, meaning a parents and a child. So that sure. means there's going to be less children being born out. And I, I often wonder, what does the Lord say about that? What is his heart for Generation Alpha and how could we pray and reach out to them? Sure. But that being said, Gen Z, millennials, Gen Z, Generation Alpha and the generations to come, their lives are being formed and shaped by the screen. Hmm. And I was actually reading a book today, and they were saying on average, um, the adults today touch their screen on average about 2,600 times, but the younger generation sometimes double that. Yeah. And so it makes me just wonder what, what's really going on and, and what's happening, and how can we guide our kids through social media, technology, navigating it? Yeah. Recent stats that came out said that the average teenager in the U.S. Um, spends about nine hours on technology, excluding homework. Gee. and excluding schoolwork. And so um, I couldn't find stats around South Africa, but we do know that the teenagers are spending a phenomenal time on technology, on their screens, gaming, social media, homework, school, classrooms, varsity work mm-hmm. is all being streamed. Yeah. So how do we guide our children through this? How do we protect their physical health, their mental health, their emotional health, mm-hmm. and possibly even their eyesight, I would imagine? <laughs> Well, how do we? I mean, you, you're saying it, but that's the question I want to put right back to you, Mandy, because, I mean, as, as we kind of joked as we came into this, um, it is hard for us as parents because it's a world that we're not that familiar with, but, but it is running through the veins of these kids. And in some way, we want to go back to an easier time. We want to say no to all of this technology. Um, and there might be aspects of that that we can do boundaries certainly that we can put in place but but we can't go back no we can't the, the world is progressing and there are benefits to that and there's a lot of positives that come out of the technology that's being invented all the time uh, but how do we find that balance what what are the boundaries that we put in place mm. but how do we also navigate the fact that it is an ever-changing world and that our kids are going to be engaging mm. in technology in this digital area a whole lot more than we just even understand. Yeah. 
I think it comes down to connection. It comes down to building those relationships with your children because after all, they're not only wired to a device. They are in the flesh and they're human too. And so I would say to families, take a look at how you live. What does your lifestyle look like as a family? What boundaries do you have to put in place around media, technology? Mm. Um, Certainly if I had younger children, um, definitely if I had one, two, three-year-olds, I probably wouldn't allow them in front of any screen. I would really minimize um, the amount of technology my younger children were exposed to. And we've got the authority to do that. We do. I think that's a a good thing to say. So in some aspects, we can put quite strong limits hmm. in place. That about, you must be the parent. Yeah. Your child mustn't run the home. And so when your children are born, your authority is really high and your influence is very low. And we speak about this often. And then as your children get older, through the way you've parented them, hopefully they'll listen to you because of the influence that you have in their life. They know that mm. you are for them, you love them, you adore them, um, and your authority will, will drop. And so as you parent through the different stages and ages, think about how should you parent? What limits should you allow? And mm. I certainly would put those um, screen limits on your children. There's devices where you could um, protect your children from going onto different sites that they shouldn't. One mom came to me last week and said her six-year-old was at a friend's house. The friend got hold of the dad's phone or the, the daughter got hold of the dad's phone and showed it to this mom, her, her daughter, who was also six, visiting, and there was porn on the phone. Sure. So they had to do a lot of damage control because this young child was being shown porn at a mm. trusted house. So how, you can't control what your children are exposed to, but you can equip them. Yeah. So I certainly would really put some firm boundaries, a filtering software on devices. I would look at your family values and say, what are our values? And in our home, transparency, um, authenticity is very high value. And so mm. um, at any time, I tell anyone, actually, you can look at my phone, my laptop, you can go on my search history, you can look at my photos, I have nothing to hide. Yeah. When we live before the Lord with purity and with holiness, he helps us live that way, I really believe. And it's a fight to live that way because society says, oh, you have to hide and you have to keep these things private. Mm. So first of two parents, I would put filtering software on, limit your child's use of technology. And then I would also make your your home culture, your family life so appealing that your children want to be with you. Yeah. And that could go so far as to put a basket that says digital sunset on in a certain number of hours and everyone's devices goes in and that's when you eat dinner together, that's when you play together and have fun. And I, I think families have to play together yeah. without technology. So you play analog games. I know that they've also proven that when kids do building blocks or when they do um, touch and feel with all their senses, different parts of their brain and their neurons fire up and light up. But when Mm. they do the same kind of game on a device, it doesn't. Mm. And so I want to encourage you from with young kids, let them touch and feel and use all the sensory experiences. And also at the same time to teach your children what they put online is always online without fear, again, no fear. And so I've taught my kids this principle and I know there's variations of it, but for us, we value is can your Will your pastor approve of it? Will your parents, your peers, the public, the president, or even God? Yeah. If if it passes the test and all of those will approve of it, then post it. But if, you know, you want to put a picture of yourself in a bikini and it's really skimpy and you think, well, my parents won't approve of that, well, that's your answer. Yeah. No, you don't post it. Yeah. And so in that way, we can guide our children to make wiser choices. We can't protect our children to the point where they're not exposed to it. But I believe that when you speak to them about things, when you equip them, when you empower them, they can make better choices. Yeah. And that's what we want. We want our children to be wise children who make good choices. Sure. This aspect of the digital world we live in kind of spills out into so many 
areas. We spoke last time about anxiety and depression, mm-hmm. and you said, I think this social media plays so much into that. Yeah. Um, another thing that we didn't cover is is the aspect of bullying and yes. how that plays out in a digital space. Uh, how do we as parents navigate that? Because we, we kind of hear stories, we know it's out there, but how can we guard against that or at least be uh, able to tackle that if it's happening in our home? Mm. I think as parents, again, it comes to um, being aware and being educated and that we know there's different types of bullying. There's cyberbullying. And I walked with a mom whose son was a victim of cyberbullying and they literally threatened the family's life. And it came through gaming. Mm. I know of another mom and I walked with them whose daughter had shown nudes, a preteen. Sure. And because of bullying, I know a story of another girl who took her life because of bullying. Hmm. I don't know the girl personally, but I know of the story firsthand. Yeah, and yeah. so I think as parents, we need to understand different types of bullying. Hmm. And then we have to figure out in advance, we have to prepare in advance. Like if my child got bullied, what would I do? What could my different responses be? And then take time to think about it and pray about hmm. it. Say, okay, Lord, if this happened, what would I, how would I react? What would I do? And I think one of the main things with bullying is that you don't let your children sort it out themselves. Mm. They're not able to. And they have to know that when they come to you with something, that you will trust them, that you validate them, that you say, okay, I'm, you, you can come to me. I'm for you, and I will help you, and I'll yeah. support you. And so you help them figure it out. I think a lot of it also comes through being able to see what your children are on on their devices, but also being aware of what happens at school when they're away from home. And if you're noticing a change in their, like they're getting tummy aches or clothing is torn or they're getting unexplained bruises that you start to ask some questions. And for example, you could do it in a roundabout way. You could say, I hear there's bullying happening around a lot at the moment. Is anything happening around your school? Yeah, yeah. So as parents, I think we have to be wise and sometimes a little sneaky in our question asking to expose yeah. what's going on and then try and get to the crux of the matter. You've got a story of, of yeah. how that happened in your own home. Yeah, so um, with my son's permission, I do share the story. <laughs> um, and again, I think as parents, just get your children's permissions as well when you share various stories. is helpful, I think, sometimes. <laughs> but when my son Matt was in grade four, he was bullied. And I remember him coming home and starting to get tummy aches, he was weepy, he didn't want to play sport. His marks actually dropped so much so that his teacher phoned us and said, what's going on, Matt's marks are dropping. And he's grade mm. four, so mm. that's what I'm trying to think of the age, he's nine, 10 years old, yeah. he's little. Yeah. And um, eventually it came out, this one boy was kicking him in the shins during school, was telling him he was no good, telling him he couldn't play cricket and he was horrible mm. and just really breaking him down. Um, and we were also giving this boy lifts to school, so it made life even worse because <laughs> Matt, unbeknownst to us, wasn't even feeling safe in our own car. Sure. So my husband and I phoned the parents, we had a very, difficult and frank conversation with the parents. We met with Matt's teacher. And then uh, with Matt privately, we prayed with him, we forgave the boy, we forgave the family. And incidentally, forgiveness sets us free. It does nothing Mm -hmm. to anyone else, but it sets us free from criticism and judgment and to allow fear to creep in. And Mm -hmm. um, so we prayed with Matt, we forgave the boy, and then we role played with him. I really believe in role playing with especially younger children. If this had to happen, this is what you do. And I'd say, okay, Matt, I'm pretending to be this boy. And then I'd say, Matt, you are ugly. You're horrible. And then Matt would have to respond. And and then we would guide him. And I'd remind him, remember, Matt, I don't believe that. I'm just pretending. (laughs) (laughs) And then I would say, okay, you pretend to be this boy. And we would role play different scenarios. And we said to him, if this boy goes left, you go right. And 
and we changed lifts and we did a whole bunch of things. And um, we prayed for Matt and I said to Matt, one day God is going to use the situation for good and he's going to also teach you how to speak out for those who can't speak up for themselves. Mm-hmm. Fast forward 10 years later, this boy needed to come to varsity and the mom phoned me and asked me if he could come spend two nights in our home. This was a year or so ago. And I thought, oh my. <laughs> so um, I called Matt and Neil and I chatted with him and we said, this boy wants to come over. It's okay if you say no. Again, you need to empower your children to make those decisions. So he Mm. he said, no, this boy could come. And our son, Graham, was able to show empathy and compassion. Mm. And this boy came and spent two days in our home. The mother was so thankful because we helped this boy get settled and sorted in varsity. And, And then we carried on with life. But I really believe God will heal and redeem and restore what the enemy meant for harm in yeah. your life and in your children's lives. Hmm. That's a, such a beautiful story, such a redemptive yes. story. <laughs> I want to go back to something you said earlier on when you were talking about um, how we speak to our kids to understand what's going on. And you said, you know, sometimes you've got to be sneaky in the way you ask questions. And I know you value the power of a good question to the degree that you spent three days learning about how to answer questions. So just tell us, share about that and, yeah. and, and maybe give us some examples of how we ask good questions as mm. we engage our kids mm. around these various issues. I think it's um, something that we can definitely learn. A Jewish rabbi once said, the ability to ask a good question is the, one of the ways to wisdom. Yeah. I remember teaching that to my children and they kept saying to me, oh, mom, stop asking us if we asked a good question today <laughs> at school. <laughs> But I really believe that it's the the question that enlightens is not necessarily the answer. And so yeah. if we can learn to ask our children questions again with a pure heart, not leading questions to get them to answer what you want them to answer, mm. but really take time to think what would be the most helpful question or statement I could say to my child that would unlock what's going on in their heart and their lives that could help us grow closer as a Mm. mother, son, daughter, father, son, daughter, or family unit. Mm. And so to think through what what are the type of questions I need to ask my children right now. And incidentally, if we look at the way Jesus lived, he taught primarily through asking questions, not answering them, but actually asking questions back. And so you could learn to ask good questions by thinking about it, saying, instead of saying, how was your day? Your child will go, fine, and yeah. then the conversation's closed. <laughs> That's it. You could ask it in a different way. So you could wait. Instead of asking it straight after you pick up from school, you can maybe you know, make them some lunch. And then while they're eating lunch, say, tell me something interesting that happened to you today. Hmm. Or um, how was your maths exam? What, what did you find easy or difficult about it? Or hmm. um, what's going on in your friendship circle? And then you ask more you know, questions weaving. So you think of who, what, where, when, how. And realizing you get open questions, you get closed questions, you also get questions that move them into action. Like, what are your options? So, for example, your child wants to play a sport and they come home and say, oh, they want to now play hockey. But they haven't played hockey before. And instead of you saying, okay, fine, I'll contact the coach, see when you can get trials and let's go get you some hockey kit. You could say, oh, you're interested in playing hockey. What what has sparked that interest? So now you're opening up. It's like a tennis game. You you served, you hit the ball, and they've hit the ball back. And now you want to keep the game going. And then they'll explain it to you. Then you say, well, what are you going to do to try and get into the hockey team? Again, you're not taking ownership for their lives. Now you're saying, well, they say, well, I don't know, Mom. I don't know what to do. And you say, well, what do you think you could do? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay, I can contact my coach. Okay, do you need any help playing hockey? How can I support you? You know, and so you build that relationship and that rapport with them. 
And it not only helps in your family relationships, but I really believe, Graham, it helps in the marketplace. It helps in all your relationships when you can ask good questions and then you listen to understand. You don't listen to answer. Because mm. often as a parent, I find I listen to answer them back before they've even finished. And so yeah. for me, as um, an extrovert, it takes me a lot of discipline to listen through. And even with chatting with you, I catch myself because I want to interrupt and because <laughs> I get so excited about a topic that I have to practice that self-control. Yeah, yeah. That's powerful. I think, you know, everything that you write about in this parenting world changes. It's difficult issues. It's complex topics. But at the heart of it is the desire to engage with your kids. It's the desire to build relationship with your kids. Mm. Uh, and we don't have to have all the answers. We don't have to have, we, we do have to have a plan. We do have to be intentional. But there, there might be some questions we don't have the answer to. But if we're taking the time to interact, to be mm. there, to be present, to be in the moment with our kids, mm. uh, asking those questions, engaging with them, and building that relationship, that's the primary thing we've got to mm. we've got to do because from that foundation we can handle the other things that come our way and we can manage the digital space and we can walk through the the gender conversation um, and so I really appreciate that uh, you you're giving us the the cracks of the matter mm. uh, and I love how uh, you speak about Jesus's example of asking questions. I think you said he, he asked over three hundred questions. Three hundred questions, and he only answered three directly. Yeah. I mean, he taught through. You know, he taught and he answered it indirectly, but through asking more questions. Yeah, yeah. he asks loads of loads of questions. Yeah. But it all actually comes down to love, Graham. And yeah. I've been thinking about love quite a bit. And <laughs> if you look in one Corinthians thirteen, it says love is patient. And I think it says that because love, I think, has a pace. Mm. And it's a slow pace. <laughs> and so when we raise our children, we don't raise them in one year or six months. We raise them over 18 years. It's a slow pace. Yeah. And so love takes time. And through asking questions and connecting, it's not actually about the Internet and gender and anxiety and inequality mm. and all these things. It's actually mm. about love and the relationship. And for us yeah. to have the time and the patience to parent through through those years that they're growing through and saying, okay, what's my end time? What's my goal? What's the what's the big picture? I've mm. got Matt and Emily in our home for 18, 19 years or maybe less or maybe more. I don't mm. know. But what is my, what's the bigger purpose? What is God doing in our family and through my children? And how do I parent them that I'm a wise steward? Mm. Because I remember saying to you that probably our greatest gift we give to this world, our greatest legacy we can leave is not what we do, but who we raise. Yeah. For me, that's a really humbling and profound calling. Yeah, absolutely. Well, again, we're coming towards the end of our conversation and time just flies. But I do want to hit this aspect of, of resilience because we started out by saying it is a, a different world. Uh, and I think you said it's harder for kids today than it was for us when we were kids. And therefore, it's harder for parents because we we're raising kids in a very mm. complex and challenging world. And so we want to raise kids with, with resilience and with that emotional intelligence. Just help us with, well, firstly, why is it so important and, and how do we instill that? Because mm. it, it can be learnt. Mm. Yeah, Graham, that is a vast topic. I think emotions, thinking and feeling are all linked. Yeah. And so we would do well to raise our children to be have self-awareness, to have um, emotional intelligence. Leaders are self-aware. And if mm. we want to raise our children to change the world for good, 
they would need to be self-aware. They would need to understand why they're feeling that feeling. What are they? What are their responses to the feelings they're feeling, and what to do? What's a healthy response or reaction to the emotions they're feeling? And that mm. takes an intentional process of training and teaching your children. And I do speak about that in Parenting World Changes. And at the same time, if we look at Jesus' lifestyle and the men and women in the Bible, they were all incredibly resilient. Mm. They faced hardships. They faced setbacks. Some were in prison. Some were lied about. You know, they they fell down and they got back up again. And so Mm. emotional intelligence is essentially growing up on the inside. Mm. And resilience is being able to adapt and bounce back again and to rise again after you faced a setback or challenge. And so if you want to raise children who will really impact your family, the community they're living in, our country, possibly broader, Mm. they're going to have to be resilient. They're going to have to say, okay, this is my values. This is what's important to me. This is how I have to adapt, and this is how I can rise again. Mm. And that is really a skill that you can teach them from being internally governed to being able to have a sense of humor, Mm. to being able to say, okay, these are my obstacles. This is how I'm going to overcome them, and it's okay if I mess up. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's a whole bunch of training that we can do in teaching our kids to be resilient. But again, it comes back to us. We have to learn about it first before we can teach it to our kids. And I guess we have to model it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> well, what an awesome place for us to bring it to a close. Mandy Hart, again, author of Parenting World Changes. Thank you so much for being with us. Mm, thank you, Graham. I hope that you were encouraged by the conversation today. As Mandy said at the end there, there are no perfect kids, no perfect parents, but we can prepare ourselves for the challenges. We can get equipped and we can bounce back when we make mistakes. If you want to add to that preparation with a resource that will really equip you to engage in conversations with your kids around the many difficult topics that have been covered in the last two days, I want to encourage you to get a copy of Mandy's book, Parenting World Changes. Peer pressure, gender conversations, online addiction, money, anxiety, and the search for identity. These are just some of the challenges your children face today. And this is a resource with practical conversation starters that'll help you guide your kids to flourish in this complex world. You'll find Parenting World Changes on our website at safamily.co.za or when you call us on 031-716-3300. And if you're in the Eastern Cape, make sure you look out for the Parenting World Changes event tour coming to you next week. You can get your tickets through our website at safamily.co.za. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Alison Schnell for Focus on the Family Africa, inviting you back next time when we'll once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.